welcome to Healthcare Unfiltered, the Shadi Nabhan podcast. I'm your host, Shadi Nabhan. I'm a hematologist and medical oncologist, and I have interest in all aspects of healthcare delivery, treatment, leadership, mentorship, and policy. Today is a tough day. It's not an easy to air this episode. It wasn't easy to tape this episode on May 30th, 2021, Sunday. A few weeks ago, I learned of a physician from Lithuania who is in her 30s. She's an anesthesiologist who committed suicide. I then learned that what drove her off the edge was what we can label as, quote, academic and medical bullying. I don't know the exact details, so I decided to reach out to a couple of her friends to join me on this podcast so we can talk about what happened. Were there any symptoms and signs that could have predicted the tragedy? Was there anything that could have been done to prevent this from happening? My goal of this episode is to shed some light into a tragic event and more broadly into a problem that probably exists in healthcare, not just in the US, but outside the US. Laura is the name of the physician that committed suicide. There's a Laura in every single hospital. There's a Laura in every single country. There's a Laura in every single healthcare system. What I want to do is to work with my guests and to work with you to try to prevent the next Laura from committing suicide. There are many things that drive healthcare healthcare providers and physicians off the edge. And our goal is to try just to figure out what can be done to prevent that from happening. There are many research studies that will tell you why physicians commit suicide. You can Google these, you can search these. I'm not going to really recite many things that you could find yourself available in the public domain. So you could do that. My goal of this is really to shed some light on a life that was, that was gone, on a life that ended too prematurely. And what could have been done? Academic bullying, healthcare bullying, social media bullying do exist and we need to do better. And as you will hear today, one of my guests talks about bullying versus mobbing. And we have seen mobbing on social media many times over the past few months. The amplification of any message, the likes, the retweets, these could destroy lives. Social media has become the judge, the executioner, and the plaintiff. You could be judged by social media, and you could be found guilty by social media. And social media dictates what the punishment that you need to be punished with. How much of this could we prevent? A lot. But we need to work together as a community to prevent that from happening. It is very important that we work together as a community to prevent that from happening. I don't believe that there's much that could be done about social media reform, to be honest. But maybe outside of social media, there's an opportunity for healthcare reform to allow physicians to speak up when needed and to prevent burnout, to mitigate burnout, and to mitigate any risk factors that could lead 
to the possibility of suicide. Again, I wish I never had to tape this episode, but here it goes. Well, it's really a pleasure to be with uh, several of my colleagues today, although I'll admit and I'll confess that I never wanted to tape this episode of Healthcare Unfiltered. Yet, I do find it important and critical to uh, discuss uh, topics that are considered difficult, uncomfortable, but are very important to, uh, to bring up to all listeners, whether you are in the medical community or outside of the medical community. So several weeks ago, I was just browsing uh, social media and I learned about the passing of um, a physician in Europe, originally from Lithuania, who died by committing suicide. And um, as I was just looking through this, um, it appeared to be that uh, she was bullied or mistreated or something happened that drove her off the edge. I was able to connect with a couple of her friends and colleagues who probably have more details about the story that has happened and what may have led to the complete mental breakdown that culminated in her taking her own life. Um, I reached out to both of her friends and I wanted really to bring them on the show to um, talk about the victim, uh, talk about what happened. and. Um, and really understand the details of the story. I also have the, uh, reached out to um, a dear friend and, and a colleague, um, uh, Dr. Lori Gordon, who's a psychiatrist in New York, to listen on to the topic and really offer her insights into something like this, uh, what really leads to someone taking his own life or her own life. So it's going to be a tough uh, um, episode, a tough topic, but I do, nonetheless, I find it extremely important for all of us to, to discuss it, maybe cathartic for all of us to, to talk it uh, all together. Now, before I want to make sure I introduce my, my guests who um, are, um, uh, I'm very thankful for you being here. Um, so um, I'll start with you, uh, Monica, um, just um, who you are and um, where you work and if you don't mind, just uh, how did you come to know the victim? Right. Uh, thank you very much for my inviting me here. I think it's definitely such an important topic to talk about. Uh, it's, of course, a very sad occasion here. Um, my name is Monika Rzanowskaita. I'm a radiologist. I, I now work in the UK, in Liverpool. I'm originally from Lithuania. This is where I did my uh, medical school and the core training of my specialty. And this is where I met... Uh, uh, Laura. We, we studied in the same university. We went to the same classes. Uh, so this is where I probably remember her best now, her face in the, in the classes and in the med school you know, roles and everything. So um, yeah, we did have uh, some, uh, our paths crossed um, sometimes during specialty training because she trained in the same hospital, just in different specialty. I trained radiology, she did anesthesia. Uh, so sometimes during on call, she probably accompanied a patient for a scan, and this is where, where we met occasionally at work. And I think it was about last time, probably about 2015, since I seen her last time, um, because I moved to another country and we, we didn't keep in touch. Um, Thank you, Mark. That's how that's how I know her. Okay. And then uh, Gil. Um... We all know you as uh, the director of Anko Alert, the social media network, but uh, maybe a little bit about you and how did you come to know the victim? Thanks, 
Uh, thank you so much for the for the invite, and and most importantly, thank you for for raising awareness to this uh, very important topic. Uh, my name is Gilbert Morgan. I am a clinical oncologist in southern Sweden. I am originally from Texas, and uh, my wife is actually from Lithuania. And uh, Laura was actually my wife's uh, roommate. They're both anesthesiologists, uh, and uh, Laura was a few years ahead of her. So uh, when uh, the whole time that uh, we were dating, uh, they, they lived together. And uh, of course, Lada was at our wedding uh, and, and a very dear friend, dear friend to the family. Thank you, Gil. And Lori, thank you for also taking time. I know that you obviously don't know the um, uh, Monica or Gil, nor you know the victim, but uh, you know, by virtue of your practice, you probably come up with some physicians and non-physicians who have a lot of mental illness or they are on the verge of things. Maybe a little bit about you and the scope of your practice in general. Um, thanks for inviting me. I'm an adult and child and adolescent psychiatrist here in New York. And uh, right now, for the past 12 years or so, I've just been doing private practice, but I've um, taught in New York Hospital while Cornell, supervised the fellows, um, and also run a children's day treatment program in the past. So, and in my private practice, it's a mixed group of people, mostly young adults and some people who work in healthcare. Thank you. Thank you. So Monica, I'll, I'll start with you a little bit. Um, how did you, I mean, what you, you had not kept in touch with Laura and then suddenly you woke up one day and you learned about this, um, were there, I mean, just take us through what actually happened that morning when you first learned about it and, and all of the questions in your mind as you're trying to decipher what actually happened and how old was Laura? Well, Laura was 35 or six, I would say. Uh, I don't know her exact birthday. Um, it was, I think it was a Sunday when I saw somebody's comments, uh, a post on social media about somebody who committed suicide, a doctor, a young doctor. And um, at first, I, at first it was of course a, a bad news, sad news. And, and at first I didn't realize that I knew the, the person because it wasn't, there was no, no name for the first few days, no name. Her name was not um, published anywhere in, in any piece of news. But then I noticed uh, comments that my course mates are, are writing the comments and I started to recognize a pattern that I, I know these people, so I must know her, him or her, her, they, they said a woman. So, um, and, uh, and then I think an, a couple of hours later, the name came through, uh, through private messages first. Now, now it's out in, in publications, the family is communicating the name and so on, but at first it was uh, probably the, the media were not giving out the name. And then, I was I was just sitting in the kitchen and I read the name and and I got this like a blown thing. I just I just sat back to my chair. I said, "No way, this is this this cannot be her. Uh, this is the last person I would think of, of who would com you know commit suicide." Uh, so it was it was really a shock. <laughs> Uh, how how was as you as you went to the same school and rotations and so forth? Tell us about Laura the person. How was she as a classmate? As a, I mean, what do you know about her? Just like, how would you describe her personality? Who, who was she? 
so interestingly, she, although we were, we were not in the same small group of going to every to classes every single day, we met, I think, probably uh, about several times a week in, in the big um, classes. But uh, I think she was one of those persons who was leaving an impression. Um, because one of the first, first thing that I remember of her is a smile and a laugh. Loud, very infectious laugh and a wide smile. And uh, she was often sitting in one of the first, not in the very first, but one of the first maybe five rows of, of the, of the uh, class. And always ready to answer questions, always ready to discuss the topic. Um, she was also one of those who would not hesitate in representing others. So if the group was, you know, needed a representative, she could just, you know, go and say the thing. Um, also, she um, she was very she had a strong sense of justice. So if something was wrong, somebody was copying, you know, in an exam, she would, you know, stop that person or something. Those small details, like sensitive to justice, I would say, um, very smart. So very keen to learn and smart. Probably that's why one of the first roles in the in, in the in the classes, and, uh, and kind of a magnet. So she was often surrounded by people. In, in it, it wasn't um, like your memory of her before you heard the news. It wasn't as somebody who is withdrawn, depressed. No, no. no it was completely no. the opposite. The opposite. Uh, she would probably be in front of people, leading them somewhere, rather than being withdrawn or 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 you know isolated type of uh, no no quite contrary gil you you've known her through your wife and i think tell us um your wife has kept in touch with her a little bit more than what monica has um tell us um how you and your wife heard about the news and there's no question it, it's shocking but but was there any signs that she, that Laura was having any issues or trouble? Has she communicated anything with you and your wife? Because you said that you, uh, your wife was talks to her more frequently. Where were you when you heard the news? Where was your wife? How? Take us through that tragic day. It's uh, it's it's hard even to remember. Uh, I mean, it's it's easy to remember, but but it's emotionally hard. Uh, because she, she was uh, not only a very dear friend of my wife, uh, but, but she was a wonderful person. I believe it was a Saturday, uh, maybe before noon here in Sweden. And uh, I got a message uh, via WhatsApp from one of my uh, wife's friends who, who, who a lot of them are, are colleagues to, to Laura. Uh, and, she asked uh, whether uh, Vitaut was, was hoping to tell this to my wife. And I said, no. And she told me what happened, uh, of course, because this was too much of a blow to, to deliver over the phone. And of course, I, I went and I tracked my wife down who was out playing with her son uh, out in the park. Uh, and I, I, I didn't say anything. And I went to her and, uh, and, I, and I told her uh, the details were we're still very, very spotty. Uh, really, all, all we knew is that she had taken her life. The, the thing is that, that Laura, a week before that, had just come back from vacation. Uh, she was super happy. She was sending my wife's pictures. 
Uh, she was there, I believe, with uh, one of her family members. Uh, she was she was happy. She was like somebody who had been working a lot and went on vacation and had just come back to work uh, from vacation like we all do. Uh, she had just bought a car. Uh, and anybody that knew Laura would tell you that she was really frugal. Uh, I mean, she really made sure that whatever she she bought was something that she really needed uh, and she didn't make any unnecessary expenditures. Uh, normally not the kind of uh, actions of somebody who is, is thinking of, uh, uh, of taking their, their lives. Uh, this is, it's more the, the plans that the, or the actions of somebody who's planning for, for a future. Uh, she was uh, taking language classes because she was on her way to moving to Germany. Uh, she had been taking German classes. She was actually really good. Uh, and the only reason that uh, they had not moved faster is because of the pandemic. Otherwise, she would have already been in Germany. Uh, so there was absolutely nothing in her behavior that actually gave the impression that this was somebody that was going into seclusion, somebody that was depressed, or definitely not someone that was not happy with life. Uh, of course, uh, this, uh, this whole thing uh, with uh, uh, bullying is something that had, uh, been for, that had been there for a while. But like Monica said, La Laura was a fighter. La Laura was one that was not going to, to take something lying down and was well, not we'll going talk, to we'll talk about We'll talk about the bullying in a little bit. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Was she... Was she married? Did she have children? Did she have significant other? Um... Well, not not to go into into details that are probably not uh, if, if it's not relevant for discussion. Uh, but but she she was seeing somebody, uh, and and this is something that uh, even though it's it's very private, uh, it, it was in the newspapers. Uh, Laura didn't know that she was pregnant. I'm when sorry. she took her life, I'm very uh, sorry. that is something that came out later, and it was something that, that it was in in the newspaper. I, I believe it was her her brother that 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 said this when the when they got the autopsy report. Uh, obviously, uh, they, this is this is somebody who who wanted kids. We we know this. We I mean we we talked to her about this, uh, it, and it was just it's shocking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the worst thing. Ever because if, if if she knew this would have never happened, and I think that is the one thing that just it punches you in the gut because because we know her, we know that it, it, she never, never, never would she do this if she had known. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I know this is brings a lot of um, emotions and. Um... I'm very sympathetic to this. We we all obviously have lost a lot of people, and um, for various reasons, so I totally understand. Monica, I want to go a little bit into some of the details of what surfaced in terms of the what information that came about to understand when when we talk about bullying, whether it is related. Because, like Gil said, this was I want to understand what bullying we're talking about to the extent that you both know, and. Um, and Laurie, what you just heard is there's this person who is full of life, who is seeing somebody who just bought a car, was on vacation, no sign whatsoever that, and then suddenly she was gone. Is, 
is this a surprising pattern? Do you see it? Like, is this something as a psychiatrist strikes you or you, you say that this actually does happen? No, this does happen. This does happen. So it doesn't mean that the person has to be withdrawn for a long time before. No, we're actually very bad at predicting suicide. I mean, we try, of course, but I think um, there's a famous quote somewhere about how it's a, often for some people, it's, it becomes this, an attempt, a temporary attempt, a, an attempt to solve a problem I forget the quote exactly, but it's, it's like an attempt to solve a problem that if they would wait, you know, they wouldn't solve it that way. Um, and right. it's a temporary state of mind that it does tend to pass. And so the question is how to, how to, how to help people or intervene in that temporary state. Got it. So Monica, then details started surfacing and I was able to find actually an article written in Lithuanian, which obviously I don't comprehend. Um, but um, I want to go back and ask Gil about the bullying he was talking about. But as, as the details were surfacing, and some of them were written in the public domain, I mean, again, I don't want to go into private issues that we don't want to share. But what, what information started surfacing that shed some light into what might have led Laura over the edge? So um, quite quickly, there was a lot of comments both on social media about her character as a person, many positive comments reaffirming her characters saying, um, and then there were a lot, a lot, a lot of comments on social media. Actually, one of the first that came through was, was pretty, pretty shocking that said, so this and that hospital has had its first victim to bullying. That was a teammate who, who announced it this way without saying the name. And so, um, and since then, so now three weeks have, three, three weeks, several weeks have passed. So now there are multiple um, uh, newspaper media articles uh, covering this, this in more detail. So apparently this all has started a few years ago when there were some changes made in the organization of the hospital. And um, everything kind of dates, dates back to those, those years, I think 2018 or something like that. And um, there, there are multiple stories, multiple reports, multiple written documented cases of um, maybe a case of bullying, maybe a case she, she herself wrote a few documents to authorities uh, asking, one of them was to asking to protect her from toxic, toxic work environment. The other was to solve an issue. Um, there are multiple comments by her colleagues that she attended um, meetings with the admin team of the hospital with a lawyer. And even without that, that she knew the details, she knew the legal requirements, she knew the processes and everything by herself. She studied the topic very well. So, and, and it's not only her, there were other people. So there were nurses complaining of, of bullying from another team member. Um, there were, so it seems like the hospital itself had uh, had several issues that have been documented over the few years that led to this. And uh, one of the things that came into surface um, regarding her final decision is that it was made right after her an unknown call shift, 25, 24 hours. 
apparently, I don't know the details, but there is something that that it wasn't an easy shift. Uh, but the worst thing of that is that she was fired the morning after the on-call shift. She was given a, a notice that she's fired. Um, and she was fired on grounds of um, disciplinary action or something like that by the hospital. So this means that the firing, that, that she probably didn't have right to compensation and you know all the, all the legal details of firing this way. And this happened on the last morning, and I think the following day, she just took her life away. Yes. And this hospital is in Lithuania, obviously, well, that's what we're talking yes. about. Yes. Yes. This is where she worked since, well, for quite a few years now, seven years, 2014 or so. So she chose this hospital to work as a specialist after a foundation year, after um, where she trained for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that was the, the, the so she cho chose to work there and she was, there, were, there are reports of patients that were happy with her and then she, I don't know, there are reports of colleagues that are commenting that she was all for positive change as well, the, um, that she was very patient-centered. There are several stories now in the media how she actually changed the things uh, against the word of authorities for patients. Uh, maybe questioning um, a senior um, team member's treatment for the good outcome. So she wasn't keen yeah. to obey in a way. She was all for the patient, for the progress, for the best. Gil, you mentioned that this, this bullying um, has been going on for a while. And um, it, it seems to me from listening to Monica, there was this one day where she just completely broke. She... She obviously appeared to have been dealing with this for a while. And then one night she had an awful night and then she got fired that morning and, and she just lost it. When you say bullying has been going on for a while, but Laura was a fighter and she's obviously kept close contact with your wife and been talking to your wife. What, can you tell us what that what exactly was going on? Like what when we say bullying, I'm I'm trying to understand a little bit more of what that meant and what she was going through. Because others may be listening that may be going through the same exact thing that Laura was going through. Absolutely, Charlie. Uh, the thing is that there is uh, currently an ongoing investigation right now in Lithuania. So I, I really can't dive into any details uh, because I do not want to miss anything uh, when it comes sure. down to this investigation because it's very important not only for the memory of Lada but to her family and to her friends. Uh, but what, what I can tell you is exactly what Monica just said. Uh, Lada was the kind of person that had absolutely no problem telling you that something was wrong when she knew that it was something that was affecting her patient. Uh, she loved medicine. Uh, she, she would definitely go into the into the uh, the physiology of every single person uh, to to make sure that she knew exactly what was wrong and how she could help better. Uh, super smart person. Uh, and that often meant that she challenged the views and opinions of maybe some senior colleagues, uh, of maybe other people that were over her. And that is something that... Uh, in, 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 in my opinion, something that, that I have seen you don't do in Lithuania. Lithuania has a tendency to be a, a very hierarchical uh, system. 
and I don't think that has changed very much uh, in the past forever. It, it's uh, it's something where you're supposed to do what your superiors say. You're not supposed to question. Uh, and uh, that was just not Laura. And because she was that way, it caused a lot of uh, a lot of hassling, a lot of hassling from people that were in a position of, of power, people that were over her. Uh, and that just meant that her whole time, she had to fight for things. Uh, and uh, when, when you do that, and you're, you're taking on a whole establishment, uh, I, I can just imagine how, how little that can make you feel uh, a lot of the times. And I think this is this is one example of of the bullying that uh, that she experienced, uh, and that was a, a constant pressure all the time. So, so it, it seems to me from listening, Laurie, that this is there's some work dispute, right? There's a little bit of a work dispute between her and her superiors, and her superiors did not see it her way, and when she probably wanted to make some changes, they fired her. I mean, I'm just trying to read between the lines and I realize there's an investigation ongoing and we can't really comment on this. So I, I just want to try to surface whatever available publicly um, that is not necessarily in private. So, I mean, do we know anything that is in the public domain that in terms of other faculty members that were subject to similar disciplinary action, if you will, where they were fired. Do we have any details into what are the issues that she was having conflict with, with senior management? I mean, is there anything available in these newspapers, in the articles, anything available, Monica? So I think quite rightly, uh... Everything is concentrating now in the facts because um, the police, as of last week, Friday, was it Thursday, um, the police opened a formal investigation uh, on, on the grounds of uh, document falsification and incitement to suicide. So that that is the, the, the formal title. Um, so there are several reports. So those things that I commented on are available from the articles in the media and public, public information. So there are several documented reports of documented conflicts or documented um, bullying of um, complaints. Now the, the, uh, the, the team, I think it's Anastasia team, have uh, publicly written to to the um, Ministry of Health, to, to some authorities, uh, they, they wrote together, they wrote uh, um, a letter of concern about ongoing issues that they feel unsafe. They did it um, maybe a week after, after Laura's passing, um, a few days, um, listing the problems that, that were ongoing saying that, uh, listing the issues that happened. And so it seems like it was a system issue rather than personality, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, something. And I completely agree that, uh, that the system, the healthcare system is quite hierarchical because it's, um, it's an old system. It's one of the, so Lithuania has regained independence only three dec decades ago from after 50 years of Soviet rule. And healthcare system is one of the very few that has not been properly reformed since other systems have, you know, have, have had a relaunch. Um, this system has re re remained in a way of 
what you would see uh, as, as a society that is a bit, um, so th th there is a theory even that Lithuanians as other countries, both Soviet rule have had a psychological society trauma because for 50 years people were not allowed to or discouraged actively or punished for expressing their opinion for um, uh, representing other people for uh, all of these things that are in the democratic society. So obviously years later, these things in, get into, into daily life of multiple systems and multiple issues. So um, that this, it is kind of a, of a mirror in the academic healthcare situation, which is led by, so that there are two, only two universities and the, the academic field is led by, by the two universities. So everything is quite centralized. So all the influence is also centralized. Everything is, um, it's difficult to be, uh, uh, to be in a transparent way there um, because uh, everybody knows each other. It's, it would be hard to, to look for another job once something happens. So that's, that's kind of the background. Yeah. Laurie, any comments here? And I, is, there, is there an element of burnout as well? I, I'm just thinking like, you know, with these like longer shifts, 24 hour, I mean, is there additional elements uh, on top of this conflict, I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of how much of this conflict versus forcing people to do things versus burnout. There's a lot of there's a lot to unpeel here. I get, I don't know about that, but I guess I just I was listening to this story and um, thinking that you know it's very clear how this kind of thing can impact patient safety because it sounds like it really was about the patients for her, you know? And so when we have doctors that stand up for patients and then they become targeted, I mean, that's very dangerous, you know? And so these are problems that have to be fixed for everybody. And, you know, the, hi the hierarchical system, I mean, I don't know, I think it does exist. Um, Maybe it's in Romania, it's more pronounced, but I think in the US we have that system as well. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Gil, was there any element of burnout that you're aware of with Laura? I mean, I think um, because it could confound things, you know, where, where you're just completely burnt out, it adds fuel to the fire. Are you aware of any elements of burnout? Did she share anything with you and your wife? No, actually, absolutely not. Uh, uh, Laura was like an energizer bunny uh, when it came to work. Uh, she could pull, I mean, it, we've seen Laura pull like three uh, shifts in a row uh, with, with no problem. Uh, this She'd been doing that since years before. Uh, she liked that. I mean, she's, uh, she was a little more in the intensivist side. So when it came down to that heart, so, I mean, she lived for this. So to think that one on-call, regardless of how hard that on-call was, after she had just come back from vacation, was the reason that she did this because it was just too much? Knowing her, absolutely not. Uh, me, yes, absolutely. I, I, I would be, if, if it's a, it, like one of the on-calls my, my wife has, I, I would be completely drained. Uh, but, but Laura uh, was just, amazing uh so i i don't think when it when it comes down to burnout this is not one of the one of the things i ever saw in her you know i can only imagine with your wife being good friends with her and talking to her very often 
you know, we always look back and, and just start recounting events and, and, and think, could we have done anything different? I mean, could we have, is there anything we could have done to prevent that? Um, sometimes it's cathartic to look back and, and just think about these things. Um, do you ever think about that? Like, do you, do you think, I mean, there was no signs. I mean, there's nothing you could have done. Um, and I mean, I just don't know, do you ever wonder? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've said that my, my wife uh, is, uh, I mean, this is, um, I'm completely biased, but she's, she's, she's a very sweet person uh, and a very caring person. Of course, this was a really good friend to her. So the, the first thing she did was point it at herself and go, I should have done, I should have asked, I should have. But I mean, when something, someone is sending you pictures from their vacation, and she's smiling, she's happy. There was nothing to ask except, you know, things are going great. So it, it, those were the, the kind of things that, uh, that were being showed. Uh, so, so it was very hard to, to say, well, I, I could have done something. And, and even during that time where they lived together, I mean, you live with somebody, you know them pretty well. Uh, no. No, she was she was she was fine. Uh, she would get uh, she, like I said. She she would she would would have absolutely no problem picking picking a fight uh, to to defend the patient, and and she did that often because she felt that was the right thing to do. Uh, and of course, she would be angry, and then she would blow it off, and then she was fine. So this is not someone that like me. Like I have something, and I just hold it and hold it and hold it, and it's completely malignant but that's just the way the way I deal with things uh she was completely the opposite she would just deal with it and then it was gone and then she would move on so I, I didn't see any signs where you know they, this was something that was building or this was something that that could even be a a problem in the future and in talking to my wife neither did she Lori, oftentimes when, when someone commits suicide, family and friends, they end up having the self-blame, right? Um, mm. They start wondering, what could we have done? Is there anything that we could do? And there are two scenarios. There are scenarios where you know somebody is maybe depressed, has a mental illness, and you're trying to help. And there's the scenario that Monica and Gil are describing where there were really no signs whatsoever. For friends and families of victims, whether pre or post a tragic event like this, what, what would you say as a professional psychiatrist? I mean, I don't know that there's like a global thing to say, but it's just, you know, there's often nothing that any of us could have done. Um, so it's very hard. It's a very, it's a very hard thing to live with. Um, I have, you know, definitely seen this happen repeatedly over the course of my career, starting with when I was a medical student. Um, and it's just, I, there's no easy answers or there's no easy way to gloss over it um, because I think I still do feel responsible. So, so when we talk about academic bullying, is there, I don't know, I mean, Monica, do we have a definition of this? Like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I want to, I guess in my mind, I want to try to understand what we mean by this, right? Because I think there is always, 
there's no question we will always agree or disagree with people at work. And not every disagreement is bullying. Not every bullying is disagreement in all of these things. What is, in your, in your own words, based on what you have seen, if you were to define what academic bullying is, what, what, how would you define that? Uh, I was actually thinking just before, before our meeting today, uh, whether academic in medicine has any difference, whether clinical only, academic or just medical. So that would be an interesting spin-off later. Uh, but um, yes, I, I, I completely agree. Not every disagreement um, is, is bullying. We should have disagreements in academic fields. This is the science, isn't it? But um, I think while I, I, would, I would define it, it's always a power, this, this balance. And it's probably almost always about a different person from, from, from the group, somebody who is different, maybe somebody who dares to be different, maybe somebody who, who tries not to, to, um, to conform completely, uh, maybe somebody who challenges things, um, maybe somebody just who is free enough to, and others are not, or maybe somebody else is... Um, is, is, is not is just seeing the difference. So uh, by my definition, bullying is when, uh, in, in Europe, we kind of um, add the term mobbing when, uh, when, uh, when there is a group involved in the process and leaving, we are leaving bullying as potentially one-to-one -one or just a broader concept. So uh, um, yes, I would say when somebody a person tries to exclude another person or to remove them altogether using all the means of demeaning, um, intimidation, uh, undermining, harassment, uh, and uh, not infrequently getting other people to participate in, in this process or to not say anything in this process to frighten others in a way. Uh, that, that would be my general definition. In academic field, I don't Probably there is not much difference compared to other fields, except that there are, in academic field there are naturally more power disbalances. Yeah. That is a tendency for it. Gil, it's interesting. Monica was mentioning the bullying and the mobbing, um, and I, I, I tend to agree with that. And I've, sometimes I see a lot of this on social media, where everybody tapples on somebody and. And it's almost, uh, you know, they became the plaintiff and the judge, right? They became the people who accuse, but they're also the judge. Um, how would you define, um, how would you define um, bullying uh, based on what you have seen with Laura's experience, but also as somebody who's active on social media and you see sometimes how things transpire? Yeah, bullying, uh... If we if we look at Lauda's case, uh, I, I think it had a lot to do with uh, somebody that uh, that defied the system, uh, and the system pushed back. Uh, and the the thing is that the system is made up of a lot of different people. Uh, so when you have that sort of a pressure coming from a lot of different directions into one specific person. Uh, then that, that is uh, just like Monica said, that, that, is, that is the definition of mobbing. Uh, and when you have that all the time, when you've been working there, you, you, can only, you can only 
uh, it can only take so much. Uh, it, 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 I can I can just imagine that it's it's very 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 tiresome. Uh, it, it's, I I don't know how how I could could deal with it. Uh, I I would not fight. I would leave that place. You know, we we often say you know you leave toxic environments, but then there's people that feel that no, I'm going to fight. I'm going to change that. I'm I'm going to I I'm going to make a difference. Uh, and I think that's that's why Lauda stayed there as long as as long as she did is because she was trying to make a difference. Uh, when it comes to to social media, uh, social media is, is it's a it's a it's a wonderful tool. Uh, as as you know, it allows us to communicate. It it allows us to to get all sorts of different concepts out. But at the same time, with this power, we also have. Uh, the possibility to do a lot of harm by by saying the wrong thing, by focusing uh, our attention on uh, one one specific person, uh, and then just uh, really, yeah, re really, really uh, saying things that could could definitely push that person one way or another uh, into uh, in, into something of of what just happened. You know, you can. They can they can hurt themselves. Uh, they, they can possibly take their own lives uh, if, if it is a situation where where they feel like well everybody is out to get me. And if it you know it, it might just start with one person, but in social media one person can quickly turn into a hundred thousand. Uh, and, and I think that's what uh, uh, you know not to change the subject, but that's what they 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 say the difference is about. You know, when we, well, at least when I grew up, uh, when I was a kid and we had absolutely no social media, and of course when kids nowadays, uh, how, how growing up is not the same thing, because right now, before when the, when the school bully picked on you, well, you got into a fight and that was it. But here, when the school bully picks on you, it makes your life horrible and can really make a whole group of people, hundreds, thousands of people just turn on you. And how do you deal with that? especially if you're a kid. So I think uh, bullying, mobbing on social media is something that, that happens and it happens very often. Maury, you're, you're relatively active on social media. Have you, I mean, what's, you know, I, I tend to agree. I think social media amplifies certain things very fast, right? I mean, it's just very fast. You get suddenly a thousand people you know, liking this, retweeting this, and suddenly the entire platform is just all over you. And we can't really undermine the psychological impact on that. Um, as somebody who's practiced psychiatry for a while, are you seeing a little bit of a um, social media impact on the patients that you see, on the people that you see versus, let's say, 10 years ago? Can you comment on that a little bit? Mm, I don't know. You know, I, I do. I think it's hard. Um, definitely, like in the healthcare and in the medicine space, I mean, I don't know if, if it's, it has to do somewhat with the, the culture of the hospital or, but people are just so aggressive in their disagreements. And it's not, I mean, you would hope these people would never behave this way in person. Maybe they do, but um, it seems like it kind of brings out the worst in people. And I mean, my, my approach is like, unfortunately, I, I just don't want to get involved with it because for me, I, 
I know that I can't really tolerate the bullying, you know, but people are, people speak up because oftentimes like they have a good reason to speak up. They think something's wrong. Um, and then unfortunately, sometimes they're in the position of getting blowback for trying to do something that's helpful. But do you, are you seeing patients that come to you and their complaints are that it's really related to social media. Like there's the, there are certain elements of what they are suffering from that is really affecting their mental health related to social media? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe in very young people who, you know, grew up with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that they do have a lot of trouble managing the boundaries and trouble with what needs to be private and trouble protecting themselves. I mean, I feel sometimes on social media, and maybe I'm wrong, so I'm curious to Monica and Gil and, and Laura, of course, what you think, but sometimes, let's say somebody has a mistake or whatever it is on social media, and, and whether he or she get punished for it, whether he or she apologizes for it, it just seems it's never enough, right? It's like, it seems like there's more and more and more and more, and I, and I never know when is it enough that people say on social media, okay, you know what, we, 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 you know, we don't endorse what has happened and let's just move on. I, I never understand how far, what is actually required. Um, I don't know, Gil, you can comment on that and then Monica. You know what I'm trying to get at? Well, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, the, the, yeah, when, when you have a situation, uh, especially if, in, in a situation where, where an apology is needed or, or a right or some, a wrong needs to be righted, yes, uh, that, that, uh, that is done. But like you said, uh, sometimes there are people that chime in and they just want to go after it and after it and after it. And it's just like, and then it's no longer to trying to inform. It's no longer trying to do some good. Then we go into the world of doing it for likes and doing it for actually trying to portray something uh, or to try to manipulate something. It's no longer to try to sh shine a light on, on, on an issue. Uh, and that uh, is something that uh, we all have a specific responsibility on, on what, what we do with our social media presence. Uh, of course, everybody can do as, as they wish. Uh, however, like I said from the beginning, this is something that comes with a lot of power. Uh, so, so you have to make sure that, that whatever comes out of your social media, uh, it's the same thing like something that you say. Uh, you know, make sure what, you know what's going to come out of your mouth before you say it, because once it's out there, it's out there. So, so you have to be very careful with how you word things. You have to be very careful with what you say things. And most importantly, once you've said it, do not beat it, they do, do not do this, because then, then it's bullying. Then you, you're, you're not only doing it as, you know, you're not only doing the bullying, but you're, you're, you're almost acting like a judge, jury, and executioner. Right. Uh, and, and, and that's, I don't think that that's what we should be using it for, especially uh, we as, uh, as grown, grown adults and, and professionals. Uh, that's, that's something that that sometimes you see a lot that the people people do become judge, jury, and executioner, and, and it's almost like this is where you pay, and, and that's not what it's about. Uh, it, it's more about in informing of, of an injustice 
or informing that something was done that was wrong. And of course, there should be consequences. But like you say, Shadi, there, there has to be a stop. It, it, it cannot just be that, you know, that that person has to pay for the rest of their life. Uh, you know, even even criminals get a chance at redemption. Right. So, I mean, why even should you're, this even be... When you're in prison, you could leave early for good behavior. Exactly, exactly. There is a good behavior on social media. It doesn't matter how much you repent and you are, it doesn't matter. And I, I think that is something that a lot of us need to remember is that what, what we do, what we say, actually has really big implications. Uh, so so it's, uh, we, we need to be careful with, with how we do things and how we say things. I want to spend the last five, 10 minutes trying to highlight any aspects of Laura that we may have not highlighted and maybe, maybe try to come together with, are there any proposed solutions to anyone who is suffering to a similar situation? There is somebody out there maybe listening or not listening to this, who is going through exactly the same thing that Laura went through. I guarantee you that there's somebody out there who is going through this. And maybe that person is on the verge of doing something dangerous. And our goal of this is highlighting and try to, unfortunately, despite the tragedy, celebrate Laura's life and who she was as a person. But at the same time, can we actually do something as a community to prevent the next tragedy? Because it is going to happen. Monica, what, what other items we may have missed that you want others to know about Laura as a person, about the system in general, anything else that we need to tell people? Uh, I can share one thing that I I, uh, I did, uh, my first instinct after I heard uh, the news. Uh, because uh, before before Laura, a couple of years ago, another doctor committed suicide in another hospital. And then there was a, a colleague of mine, I was really worried about him last year. Um, and uh, and what I did and what I, my, my first regret and it was that, you know, I could have kept in touch I could have been there, could have listened, could have been there to, to be. And what I did uh, immediately after thinking that, I, I posted a post like, you know, if anybody wants to talk, I can guarantee confidentiality. I can listen. I'm there. I can listen. So I think one of the main things to what we can do is to send the message that we can listen to our you know, colleagues, friends, that uh, it, it sometimes is, is probably just a phone call. Or, or just being there. Or, or, so that's what probably what each of us can, can consider as, as a potential help. And then of course, how, how we behave, not only on social media, obviously, yes, I completely agree with all, with all the comments, but at work, kindness. I think too often we forget that the kindness is, is, the, is the answer to, to everything. So if we celebrate kindness, if we celebrate kindness in the culture of the team, um, so that's the perfect antidote uh, to, to tragedies like this. So if, if, if there is a kind action that somebody did, we probably should celebrate that loudly and say, look, this is, this is beautiful, this is good. Um, so I, I think that's, that was my first instinctive thought. Um, and, and certainly public health systems and uh, support for mental health, that's, that's the major work of each, um, each country, each institution. 
that's that's something that has to be there. There's a stigma about mental health, Lori. I mean, especially in healthcare, right? I mean, I, I mean, I think you know, if you are a physician and you on your application you say you saw a psychiatrist like yourself or you had some mental illness or so forth. Honestly, you don't know if you'll get staff privileges and you don't know what that means. You'll be labeled on all of this. And it's very different than you say if you have hypertension or you have diabetes, it's okay. I mean, although nobody asks about that, but, but you know what I'm trying to get at. I mean, what, what, what can we do as a community to get rid of the stigma around mental illness, especially in healthcare? Well, I think as you point out, it has to start with changing those questions on the licensing and credentialing. Um, and I think that has started, you know, I know that in certain states, they're further ahead than others, but, you know, it really, it really has to be about whether or not someone is safe to see patients and nothing, nothing else is pertinent about. Right. So it is changing right now. Like they're not. Yes, I think so. I, you know, it's interesting. I think the pandemic has catalyzed a little bit of change in this regard. Um, I know that in, just in the course of the past year or two, uh, my colleagues, psychiatrists, founded this thing called Physician Support Network, which is a volunteer-run uh, program where you can call in and speak to speak to colleagues. Um, and then there's also with the state medical society, and I think that a lot of state medical societies have this peer-to-peer -peer, uh, outreach, yeah. so you can speak to colleagues. Um, so I think those are you know, little steps. It's not one thing, you know, it's a, a thousand little things that need to change. Yeah, Monica. I, I, I realized I forgot to answer a part of your question. I think one of the things that I assume, I don't know Laura's family, um, but uh, I, or close friends, but my impression is that uh, the one, one of the common um, word that people would say about her is a fighter. So it's probably that I, I would imagine that that's how people want to remember her as a fighter for the greater good rather than a victim of something bad. So uh, it, of course, it, it, it's a very, very sad outcome. But uh, what led to that was her fight. That's a great point. Gil, anything, anything we needed to shed some light, some light, additional light on Laura's career, the health system, um, I know Monica was telling me before we went on the air that Lithuania is has the highest suicide rate in Europe. Um, although I don't know if this is amongst physicians or just in the general population, but um, is it in healthcare, Monica? It is in general population. I don't think there is any any proper study uh, about suicide rates in, among doctors. That there were now with the COVID pandemic and and burnout, there were some questionnaires. Well, I can only briefly comment that uh, in a, a year and a half ago, I did a study about uh, the reasons why people leave the country, why doctors leave the country, and uh, toxic work environment was the uh, among the top three. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's quite important. Gil, what what else do we need to to mention about? The tragic event, the, the, the fighter, the, the Laura, the bully, whatever I may have not asked that you think is very important for everyone who is listening to hear. Well, I, I think we all know a lot of in, in our practice, in our life, 
uh, that, that one person that just does not keep quiet, maybe that, that one colleague in medical school that, that just burned for, for all of it and, and just was so eager to, to answer. Uh, and maybe she was not liked by everybody. Uh, maybe she was picked on uh, because she was different. Uh, she had that in infectious laugh. Uh, the, the, the people that were around her, that knew her, that they loved her. Uh, and, and I think that's the beauty is that in her passing, as tragic as it was and as horrible as it was, there were a lot of people that spoke up or started to speak up. And it's something that would have never happened had this not come to this situation. And it's a shame, but, but I understand it. I understand that, that this is something that Silence is uh, is expected by 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 the system, uh, and of course, if you want to have a job, if you want to be successful in your career, then you have to play the game. And she was just not willing to play the game, uh, and, and I respect that. And of course, uh, I going back to what we were uh, talking about social media, uh, I was talking to my wife, and, and we just felt that way maybe a week later, we were just like, it's going to be the same thing as it always is. This is going to be just combed over. They're going to brush it under the rug and her death is going to be in pain. And I'm sorry, that, that just got me really upset. Uh, and I talked to my wife and was like, you know what? This cannot be it. Uh, and, and before this used to be the case because everything that happens there, it's in a different language, Lithuania, there's only a few uh, million people that speak Lithuanian. And then after that, it just, it's silence. So it never leaves the borders. So what we did or what I did through the power of social media and with the permission of, of my wife to be able to talk about her friend is I came out with, with that video and, and that, that short minute and a half video, just saying, this is what's happening. This is, uh, this is an injustice. Uh, and this is not the first time, and it's not going to be the last time if something is not done. And then that's when the rest of the world starts hearing. And I think that's what is required is that we take those problems, that we do speak up, so that those problems that are normally brushed under the rug, all of a sudden, we don't let them be brushed under the rug. Because now it's, un it's in the stage for, for all of the world to see. It's just like, okay, what are we going to do about it? And of course, I'm going to be keeping a, a very close eye to what happens. And depending on what happens, I will come out with a video as well, saying that this is exactly the consequences, is exactly what happened, because I will not let her memory be in vain. What she did, she, she felt like she was pushed to this point. And, and I, I am going to have this be a continuation of her fight. Of course, I can only take it so far, but I will make sure that whatever justice is done is out in the rest of the public and it just doesn't stay in Lithuania. Thank you, Gil. And that's obviously how I heard about this and that's how we end up here. I think um, we all can do our part uh, to hopefully um, help whoever is going through this. Um, I think we all have had our own issues sometimes in academic medicine and we've had disagreements. I mean, life is not smooth. But if we support each other, we'll be able to go through it. Um, Laurie, any final thoughts? You've listened to this conversation. You, you've heard what happened as a professional psychiatrist. Anything you want to add? 
No, just it's it's actually really nice to be speaking to doctors from all over the world. So <laughs> I think it's actually really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Somebody who agrees. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I uh, you know, as much as I obviously did not want to um, tape this episode, I am really grateful for all of you giving me time. Um, we are taping this um, Last Sunday of May 2021, we will air this in a couple of weeks. Um, I think, I, I hope that a lot of people get a chance to listen to this. Uh, they know who Laura the Fighter uh, was, um, someone that unfortunately the healthcare system failed. And um, there is a Laura out there in every single hospital and in every single country, frankly. Um, and I like what Monica said, you know, make yourself available reach out, talk to that person. Sometimes they just want to vent or talk or hear, and they just want to be listened to. And, um, you know, we can all lend a listening ear. Um, I know how emotional this was on you, Gil, specifically, and, and on Monica. Um, and so I, I want to make sure I leave both of you with the final words. I'll start with you, Monica, and then Gil. Any final words? I would like to thank you for 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 this platform for inviting to the for this conversation because uh, I, I that line that there is a Laura somewhere everywhere this is very 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 much this really true um, so I it's it's just so important to talk about it and to to, to remove that cloud of of. Uh, of uh, stigma and uh, and of uh, to, to give fairness and understanding to, to people who who experience difficulties. So yes, I would like my final words is just to to thank you. Thank you, Monica. Gil, um, this was very emotional to you as well, and I know that you fought some tears throughout this episode. I um, so I know it wasn't easy. Any final. I appreciate that, but any final words you would like to share with um, everyone? Well, like like Monica said, I, th I thank you very much for for shining a light on on these two topics that that are very related: this uh, physician bullying or physician mobbing, and of course, physician suicide. Uh, they they're something that that we need to address, and, and it's something. That you even brought up, Shadi, like you said, the medical system failed Lauda. Uh, in this case, the medical system came up against Lauda, but it also failed her. I'm positive that this is not just the only case. I'm positive that it doesn't just happen in Lithuania, that it happens in every single country. So uh, I really thank you for, for raising the awareness and, and, of course, encouraging all our colleagues, uh, like Monica said, to lend that uh, listening ear, uh, to, to, to ask, to, to inquire how they are. Uh, and of course, uh, never forget them. Never forget uh, what, they, what they stood for uh, and, and what their fight was for. Thank you, Gil. Thank you, Monica. And thank you, Lori. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. This was an emotional episode for me to tape. Please direct your messages to me and let me know what you think. You can text me on Twitter at Shadi Nabhan, that's at C-H-A-D-I-N-A-B-H-A-N. 
And you can send me an email to shadinabhan00 at outlook.com. In addition, you can visit my website at shadinabhan.com and let me know what you think. It is important that we work together as a community to prevent the bullying on social media and outside of social media. This is really, 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 truly important to me. I hope that we can avoid the next tragedy. I hope we can work together to prevent that from happening. Until next time, take care.